Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. We try to diagnose what's wrong with the Winnipeg Jets on today's episode with Murat Atesh, covers the team for The Athletic. Also, the Houston Astros get punished big time for cheating and stealing signs. The GM, gone. The manager, gone. The punishment fit the crime. We'll find out from Jamie Bettens of the MJBL, our de facto baseball correspondent. Finally, a look back at the divisional round of the NFL playoffs and why Skylar Peters and I are not too happy about what happened on the podcast. But how about the Winnipeg Jets? Mm, Not playing too well. At home, at least. They've lost the last six games at home, a couple of them in overtime. But overall, quality of hockey maybe hasn't been where a lot of people wanted it to be at. So let's bring in our friend Murat Atesh, writes for The Athletic, covers the Jets for The Athletic. Murat, how are you doing tonight? Hey, doing quite well. Christian, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, before we get to the Jets, I just want to ask you a question about something you tweeted today about uh, Hartford Whalers jerseys being among the greatest looking of all time. Is it weird, though, that they're honoring a city that they stole the team from? Uh, to my way of thinking, yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Full stop. The jersey is one of the best-looking professional sports jerseys that I am aware of, one of the best of all time hockey-wise. But given that the team picked up and left, had financial issues, Carolina is the new location, it seems weird to me that they keep fetting it and celebrating it as they do. I don't know. Do you think – I don't think Winnipeg would host an Atlanta Thrashers night anytime soon. And that's kind of where the comparison comes from. Makes Makes me laugh even as I enjoy the beauty of the jersey itself. Right. The jersey is is so beautiful. That's probably one of the reasons. And they didn't do it right away. It took them almost, you know, 25 years into their existence in Raleigh for them to actually make this honoring of the Whalers jersey and the coloring and the brass bonanza. Uh, But, you know, maybe the, the North Stars jerseys being worn by the Dallas Stars would be a similar comparison because Hartford had a lot more history than the Atlanta Thrashers had, to be fair. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Artford had a, a bit more of a legacy to be sure. And some players that, you know, maintained a legacy throughout the 90s and early 2000s NHL as well. I, um, uh, no problem with that argument whatsoever. It's strange to me all uh, nonetheless. All right. Let's turn our attention to the Winnipeg Jets and yesterday losing at home one nothing to Nashville. Uh, a s- bit of a snoozer. What's wrong with the Winnipeg Jets right now? Or is that too too complex of a question? Uh, well, to me, there are a few different ways to win a hockey game. Uh, one is to create more scoring chances than the other team. Another is to finish those chances. One's to have superlatively good goaltending. Special teams obviously matter. Power play and penalty killing. And to me, the Winnipeg Jets are good at some, but not all of these. And where they struggle, they struggle mightily. So the penalty kill we can talk about, it's been dead last in the NHL for a stretch. I believe it's up to 30th out of 31 presently. Uh, the amount of shot quantity that they give up on the PK, it's, it's too much. It's, it's legal leading and it's almost historic Uh, and then when it comes to the rebounds that get left in front the crease clearing is just not what it would be if you had Bufflin, Myers, Sherratt and Truba doing that job 
Um, at five on five, it's kind of similar. There's been a bit of a transition. We all know that on paper, the D is just not what it was a year ago. And I just named some of the guys who are missing. There have been injuries on top of that. And, and the response strategy wise is to back off the offensive blue line a little bit more, make sure that there's a forward coming back. And, you know, Carl Dahlstrom, one of Winnipeg's uh, defensemen, sometimes called in action this season, told me it's easier for Winnipeg's defensemen to gap at their own blue line because they're getting a lot of forward back pressure. It's just, they have to do that so often because there isn't as much offense in the other zone and the in zone defensive coverage isn't there. So five on five defense, five on five offense, the penalty kill, those are the biggest areas of struggle and certainly all of the turnover roster wise and injuries and other things like the Dustin Bufflin situation. It makes it tough. Certainly it does. So the November hot run that they had, did that put expectations for this team from a lot of people in a different spot than they should have? Did it raise the bar when really it may have been a mirage in November and this is what we're seeing now, more of what the Jets actually are? Well, to a certain degree, absolutely. I would agree with that. And then that's going from, you know, I, I can point to my own pieces or my own season previews where with Dustin Bufflin in the lineup, I saw sort of a wild card spot team, a team that would probably make the playoffs, no guarantee, but there was some quality there. Without him, it's a big hole to fill. You wouldn't necessarily expect a playoff spot. But like you point out, they won a lot of games, they banked a lot of points, and things were going well. So why is that? Um, well, Paul Maurice got asked that question an awful lot of times. I've heard him answer it more than once. And first and foremost, every single time, the answer is goaltending. Goaltending is the reason Winnipeg has so many points. So against the flow of play, they're spending more time in their own zone than in the offensive zone. They still have great finishers. You know Mark Shifley is going to bury goals and Kyle Connor and Patrick Liney. But when you spend so much time in your own zone, and the Winnipeg Jets do, and they give up, I believe it's the most shots in the league at 5-on-5 presently, um, Connor Halbuck has quite the workload. And the answer for the wins in November is because he just was a man on fire. Perhaps the best goaltender in the entire NHL in that spree. Still my vote for the Vezina Trophy as the NHL's best goalie. He's put together a pretty exceptional season to my mind. But if he's not perfect, this team has a lot harder time of winning. That's it. That's, I think, at the end of the day, that's what it is. When you remove that much quality from the defense and then you back off the offense to try to help out. So you've got Shifley back-checking. You've got Blake Wheeler playing a, a more defense-first role than you might have ever seen from him. And um, all the forwards are back-pressuring hard to try to compensate for what's missing on, de- on defense. Uh, some of the quality in the zone is, is certainly worse than we're used to seeing in Winnipeg. We were spoiled with the riches and the depth of the Winnipeg Blue Line for a long time. And now it's not just absent, but uh, there's injuries and waiver call-ups and so many defensemen playing a level or even two higher than they did a year ago whether they move from the third pairing to the second pairing or the AHL to the first pairing in Tucker Pullman's case and there's a lot of people playing just a couple of steps too high and that's not that doesn't speak ill of them it just means that they're outmatched and if you don't get Connor Hellebuck backstopping that uh, with superlative play then certainly those shots against are going to turn into goals against as well and that's reasonable. Chatting with Murat Atesh, who covers the Winnipeg Jets for The Athletic. And uh, there's a, a something I saw on Twitter from Charting Hockey, expected goal share over t- time. I'm, I'm dumb, so I don't exactly know what that means. But I see the Jets, and there's a plot that shows them just plummeting to the bottom of the league. What does that mean, and why is it bad? <laughs> well, expected goals, uh, no matter whose model you use, because there's a few different ones, expected goals is just it's a shot quality 
uh, estimate. It's a way of trying to look at different things that make one shot more dangerous than another. Uh, so models will traditionally look at things like how far away from the net was it? What angle was it at? Was it from the slot? Was it a one-timer? Was it likely to be a rush or a rebound based on when the last event happened? And this stuff is all tracked by the NHL, and it's publicly available and, and, and trackable. And so what people do is put together models that look at things that make shots more likely to be goals, like some of those factors and you know deflections, rebounds, all of this sort of stuff. And they give weight to each shot as a result of how likely they think it's going to be a goal. So Winnipeg has been one of the uh, worst teams in terms of generating expected goals. That is shots that are dangerous um, in a way over the course of the, uh, of the season. They've been towards the bottom of the league and lately it's been even worse. What I would take that to mean, honestly, is just more of what your eyes already tell you. They spend more time in their own zone and they give up quality from in front of their net a little bit worrisome and we talked about that with Paul Maurice today in his post-practice press conference is that they're not generating from the from the dangerous areas either so Winnipeg has, is loaded with offensive talent but mostly it's off the rush mostly it's perimeter and you saw it against Nashville a lot of stuff from the point didn't necessarily all get through if you think of where goals come from that home plate area right in front of the net and the high traffic areas deflections rebounds all that sort of stuff Winnipeg isn't getting a ton uh, and that's a concern as well as the defense. So is there a move that the Jets can make between now and the trade deadline other than Dustin Bufflin returning that can really help them here? <laughs> I, I think uh, I laugh at the Dustin Bufflin thing because in my mind, I'm already imagining that you're going to see a ton of headlines uh, if he does come back and return uh, to the Jets organization fully healthy, um, that you're going to see headlines to the effect of Dustin Bufflin is Winnipeg's major trade deadline acquisition. I, I see that being a plot um, if it does come to come to fruition. I don't think that this is one of those years where major assets out uh, is a good idea for the Winnipeg Jets. And by that, I mean two years ago, that terrific season, 2017-18, when Paul uh, Stastny was acquired by Kevin Sheveldayoff. Um, I thought that was a terrific move because it read the room really well. Winnipeg was a, a top-notch team with cap space to spare. All the underlying metrics, like expected goals, showed that to be an excellent team. Their power play was great. Their penalty kill was above average. Um, everything about that said, okay, this is a year to push. And so they gave up assets for that. I don't know if Winnipeg looks playoff ready right now. And I don't know that um, a, a patchwork job like that or, or a move for a player who's going to be a free agent this summer is necessarily a good idea. What I might look for from Winnipeg is uh, moves for players with term. And so Winnipeg's defense appears to be its weakness and is its, its weakness right now. They have a bit of a pipeline in terms of prospects, whether it's Ville Hainala or Dylan Sandberg or some others. But at the NHL level, I, I would say it definitely needs some help. It's the biggest weakness. If there are players out there uh, like a Ryan Murray in Columbus or uh, – uh, Alec Martinez in Los Angeles that have contracts beyond this season that can continue to help. Because as much as I point out the underlying numbers struggling right now, Winnipeg's in a good spot with its scores and it's a good spot with its defensive pipeline. If, if there's a player that can help them now and in the future, that might be more of the, of the direction that I would, uh, I would suggest for the Winnipeg Jets presently. Final question. What is this team ceiling? You mentioned at the start of the season, you thought they might be a wildcard team. What do you think right now? 
I still think it's possible because hockey is so wild and wonderful. I really do. I don't think the Winnipeg Jets are out of this race right now. I do think that they are trending away from that playoff spot, and you can see it in the standings as they're losing points and giving up games. So ceiling, I, I think that reclaiming a wild card spot and cementing it, that would be a, a, a great scenario for this team. Probably takes a Connor Hellebuck hot streak, and then certainly the floor would be a continued tumble down the Western Conference standings. All right, Murad, I appreciate your time as always. We'll catch up with you later in the season. Christian, I love it. Thanks for having me. Back now with Jamie Beddens of the Manitoba Junior Baseball League, our official baseball correspondent on the CJB Sports Show, talking about the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal and the punishments handed down today, Jamie. Do you think the punishment fits the crime? I'm not so sure if it does. Um, You know, they won a World Series because of this. So the fact that they're you know, letting them get away with this. Uh, and it's only a suspension to the owner, to the, or to the GM and to the coach, you know, there's a dollar amount put on that, but $5 million is really a drop in the bucket. When you think about the amount of money that they generated by going to and winning the world series, um, you look back to something like Pete Rose and, you know, the, the punishment that he's been levied for, simply gambling on the games, which is a completely different argument. But, you know, you put those two together and you wonder, you know, which one is the more serious offense here at this point? It's, it's a little bit different, it's, but uh, I don't think it was enough. I, I think they could have done more. Now, both Hinch and Lunau for the Astros have been fired because of this. Obviously, they've overseen this scandal, but also an incredibly successful run by the Houston Astros over the last three years. Two World Series appearances, an ALCS appearance against the Red Sox in 2018, who have themselves have been accused of cheating, and the hammer will come for Alex Cora some point down the line here. But is this unprecedented stretch of success for this franchise now tainted because of what we've seen here happen? I, th- I think in the eyes of the baseball purists, it will definitely be tainted. Um, you know, I'm not sure if that affects you know, uh, Justin Verlander getting into the Hall of Fame or not. I, I don't think it affects the physical body of work that maybe the players will go through. But as far as the franchise, um, you know, outside of the city of Houston, uh, I'm not so sure if, if there's going to be a high degree of popularity anymore. However, they still have this, the nucleus of players there and will still likely be successful, which people will tend to forget this, you know, after a couple of years. Because even though the cheating was in 2017, they were still really good in 2018 and 2019. Absolutely. And the New England Patriots, to to talk about a different sport, seem to still be able to dodge bullets, for lack of a better term, on the things that they're accused of on a almost season-by-season basis. So, you know, these teams, and and baseball, let's, let's understand this, baseball has a level of cheating in it from uh, on a daily basis. You know, if, if there's a runner on second base and they somehow understand what the signs are from the catcher to the pitcher, they're going to relay that into the batter. That, that stuff is going to happen. That's somewhat of the, the beauty of baseball as well from, from that standpoint. But I, I just, it's just not a, not a good time, you know, for sports in general um, for the exposing of you know, all of these kind of uh, undersides, underbellies of what's going on, and and heads are rolling because of it. it it's not not the greatest time to be a sports fan. 
Sports have always been about trying to gain an, an advantage on your opponent by whatever means necessary. The old mantra, you're not cheating, you're not trying. And there, as you mentioned, are so many unwritten rules, especially in a sport like baseball. And sign stealing is a big part of that. However, it's the technological part of this, using a camera, that just so severely crosses a line here. Absolutely. The fact that you had a video room uh, dedicated to it, or at least, you know, part of that, the idea of having that room right next to the dugout, you know, dedicated to that, and you're relaying signs in by simply, you know, tapping a bat to the ceiling or, you know, to a to a railing, uh, you know, so that there's relays. That that stuff is goes beyond the spirit of the game, and that's a, that's a term that I don't take lightly as, as somebody who enjoys the sport as much as I do. When you start to go after the spirit of the game, that that's where I think you know most fans will start to have the issues. How should the LA Dodgers feel today? Um, I would be very sore. I would be very upset, and I would be wondering if there's some sort of you know reciprocation for the dollars that maybe they lost i i would have thought that maybe something in that fine it may not have gone public but to me something the astros should have lost something that the remain the other teams that were in the playoffs at that time should benefit from there's some sort of there's tv money there's ticket money there's there's revenue there's so many things generated by the houston astros world championship that the other teams didn't partake in uh, aside from maybe the players and the trainers and the the clubhouse staff, you know, and the bonuses that they got, I I don't think you touch that because their efforts didn't change. But the franchise should suffer at some point, and it should be to the benefit of the uh, remaining teams that apparently did it the right way, or at least didn't get caught as well. Now you said that the punishment wasn't big enough. If you were Rob Manfred, what would have been the punishment? Well, I, I don't know if. If I would have gone, my gut reaction was, well, why didn't they just take away the World Series and declare it open? Um, you know, it's a very interesting precedent, but, you know, uh, somebody could argue that to me, and I would say, well, why not do that? Um, you know, take it away. Do they deserve it at that point? You know, if you cheated, uh, if you cheated to, to, to win a race in the Olympics, they, they strip you of the gold medal. They take it right away. They don't say, well, you cheated, but we're going to, allow you to keep the gold medal, but we're just going to fine you now. You're, you're not setting a proper precedent at that point. And that's what I'm wondering. What is the message that resonates with the remaining owners now? Um, you know, that may be engaging in something similar to this, at, even as we speak. You know, are they going to risk it saying, well, the risk still potentially outweigh or doesn't outweigh the reward? You know, winning a world championship and all the revenues that come with that, um, you know, maybe we will try to continue to find those video type advantages. I just don't know. So to me, uh, I think taking away the World Series championship would have been uh, a, a true just punishment. And finally, Jamie, is there a, a world in which Alex Cora ends up keeping his job? You know, it, it just seems like when there's an instance that happens and people, you know, seem to come public with this and the whole you know, world that we're in of keyboard warriors and everything else, I can't see it. Um, the better question would be is, you know, does Cora or does AJ Hinch, will they get a job ever again? That That's to me more of the question. I don't think they're going to keep their jobs. I think the teams have to be shown, uh, you know, eradicating the, the issue but uh, will they end up on another coaching staff and will they, will they take another team to the World Series in the next you know, five, six years? 
uh, I think that's the more interesting question. All right, Jamie, appreciate your time as always, and keep enjoying the offseason. Thank you. Take care. The NFL playoffs down to four teams after a really weird yet fairly intriguing divisional round of the playoffs. So let's get to the weekend's action in the recap. Starting in Santa Clara, where the first place 49ers hosted my beloved Minnesota Vikings. After upsetting the Saints, many Vikings fans started to believe that maybe this team counted out time and again. The underdog, the sixth seed, had what it took to pull off another stunner. Then the Vikings went three and out on their opening drive. But the answer to San Fran score with one of their own hope, perhaps. No, no, this... This wasn't going to end well. 7-3 and outs, a smothering Niners defense, an exhausted Vikings defense. Niners win by 17. And the Cleveland Browns watched this game thought, hey, that impotent Vikings offense, let's hire who was in charge of that to be our next head coach. Seriously, they hired Minnesota's offensive coordinator. The other one seed calls Baltimore home. Heavy favorites over the Titans. Ravens had one of the best offenses ever and a great defense. So, of course, they were down a touchdown within four minutes. And then 14-0? Early in the second, you could feel the panic oozing through the TV, but the Ravens cut the lead to eight at the half. They got this, right? Well, a drive to the Tennessee 18, fourth and one stuff, Titans touchdown. Then MVP Lamar Jackson fumbles on the very next play, setting up the visitors in prime scoring position. Derrick Henry battering Ram could not be stopped, so he throws for a touchdown. The Titans do not blow it. The Ravens with the hefty choke. So would the Titans go to Houston or Kansas City for the AFC title game? Texans with the strong start. Opening drive touchdown. Then a three and up for the Chiefs. And the punt is blocked. 14-0. The chicken wins aren't even cooked yet. Then the Chiefs finally get a stop and they off the punt. Two plays later, 21-0. Still the first quarter. And then Houston drives to the Kansas City 13. Will they go for it on fourth and one? Put the medal pedal to the metal foot on the throat now nah, they'll just kick the field goal let's play it safe and kansas city finds some life but it's still 24 7 i mean wait why is houston trying to fake punt they were just really conservative why are they being selectively aggressive they don't get it Chiefs score a touchdown texans fumble the kickoff Chiefs score a touchdown the building is rocking and they can taste it now and they take the lead before half and they were down 24 and erased it in 11 minutes houston was cooked they lose by 20 Seven straight touchdown drives, 51-31. That's Scorigami, folks. And finally, to Green Bay, as the Packers host the Seahawks. Would we finally get a competitive fourth quarter? Maybe not. The Packers lead 21-3 at the half. But here's the thing about this year's Green Bay team. They score early, they get big leads, and then they hold on for dear life. Packers fans know the deal. They had the Tums ready as Russell Wilson started cooking, running around. Escaping tacklers play after play. It's 28-17. It's 28-23. The Seahawks get the ball back. Are they going to pull it off? Well, no. They blew it. And the guy dropped to the center field, and the Packers get the ball back. A sack, a punt, a couple of third down conversions, and Green Bay survives. And I don't like either of these teams, so I was just happy to have a bit of a competitive game to finish off the weekend. Let the music finish. Nice. tonight a wee bit of snow that was nothing that's nothing that was nothing two centimeters and a little minus 11 my accents are no good tune into the cgob sports show weeknights from seven to nine with me christian omel or you can download the podcast on itunes it's actually on itunes now wow 
If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck. But Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?